Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I want to talk about the politics within um, Black Harlem in the 1920s and 30s Um, and the reason why I want to talk about this is because um, not only was um, Harlem the uh, epicentre in America of black cultural and um, intellectual life uh, not to discount other um, other hubs of um, uh, black cultural life, but Harlem really does stand out in the 1920s as being the kind of the home of people like uh, Paul Robeson and Langston Hughes, and the uh, beginning, the sort of the epicentre of, of, of jazz with uh, the likes of uh, Duke Ellington. Um, but it also um, is an interesting way of looking at um, black um, nationalist politics and revolutionary politics and looking at which aspects of black political life uh, succeed and uh, what falls by the wayside. And when we, we do that, we'll see some evidence that gives us deeper clues about um, the uh, overall thinking and attitudes and outlooks within uh, not just the black community in Harlem, but the black community um, across America. Now, much of what I'm going to talk about today is inspired by a book that I read during my master's dissertation, which is Communists in Harlem During the Depression by Mark Nyson, um, a U.S. historian um, who's written a, a fascinating and detailed account of not just um, the uh, fortunes of the um, Communist Party of the USA in Harlem during the 1930s, but also of Harlem life itself. Um, the central question it poses is why during the 1930s when uh, communism was popular amongst other um, ethnic minority and migrant communities, such as the Poles, the Finns, the Greeks, etc. in New York, did um, it fail really to find roots within the black community? And when it did uh, become popular temporarily in Harlem, 
it um, uh, withers really on the eve of the Second World War. And the answer, um, I believe, is that the relationship that the black community in Harlem had with communists was seen primarily through the prism of black experience itself, as you would imagine. And the experience of um, of black people in America, the experience of black uh, oppression in America, um, is one that doesn't readily lend itself to notions of internationalism, i.e. finding common cause with other white workers um, and um, identifying as an oppressed class as opposed to an oppressed race. Uh, it was very difficult to make that, that case to, um, uh, to black people uh, in Harlem or, or anywhere else. One of the other notable um, areas of uh, black um, Marxist radicalism in the 1920s and 30s comes in Alabama, where the, uh, the Communist Party of the USA managed to organise the black sharecroppers in the Deep South. Um, and black communism in Alabama, considering uh, how many threats it would have been under, uh, is surprisingly resilient, but it's really um, like, like a real kind of exception to the rule. Um, black nationalist organisations such as UNIA, the United Negro Improvement Association, led by Marcus Garvey, have far greater successes in Harlem during the 1920s at least. And during the 1930s, when the economic crisis um, of the, the Wall Street crash and the Great Depression um, devastate Harlem and bring about mass unemployment. The main beneficiary is neither the Communists nor UNIA nor either of the, the mainstream political parties, but it is, of course, uh, the Church, uh, where a, a great many um, Harlemites turn um, to find solace and comfort in very difficult times, which is understandable. Now, for those um, black communists who did join the party, one of the main appeals of um, the um, of the communist party was the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia itself, and the particular aspect of Soviet communism and later Stalinism that they extract um, is its um, supposedly post-racial credentials, the idea that um, internationalism and workers' solidarity um, and the question of nationalities in Russia had been amicably resolved and that um, it was a, the one society in the world where there was uh, apparently no racism at all. Of course, this is... Um, to some extent, naivety. Um, there was obviously, um, uh, as Stalinism bears out on a, at least a grassroots level, all manner of racist attitudes that persist. However, um, when in the, the uh, early 1930s, a black American uh, auto worker, Robert Robinson, 
uh, goes and works in uh, what becomes Stalingrad um, on the car plant there and two emigre white American workers uh, violently assault him it's the white American workers who are uh, threatened with long jail sentences and eventually uh, kicked out of the country and Robert Robinson himself becomes something of a celebrity something of a, a hero of the people in the Soviet Union um, and stays on um, and has quite a glittering political career uh, in no small part because the Soviet Union wanted to make out and make uh, make the point that it was uh, a, a post-racial society where kind of racist, fascist ideas would not be tolerated. Um, the, so this is um, popular, um, but only amongst really a kind of a, a small number of um, uh, intellectuals and uh, educated black Americans um, who um, equate uh, communism with anti-racism. Um, the, as I said, Unia um, looked, was far more popular within Harlem, and Unia have um, no revolutionary um, ideas in terms of social uh, revolution. Um, you know, in terms of um, defying the capitalist system. Um, Garvey looked upon um, capitalism as being essentially um, a, a virtuous um, system where the hard-working and the thrifty and the worthy were rewarded. And he also thought that the pressures of capitalism would improve blacks. It would, they would uh, raise the condition of black people and... Um, take them away from uh, dependency. Uh, this is something of a Booker T. Washington uh, notion, uh, really. Um, in addition to that, um, W.B.E.B. Du Bois of the NAACP, similarly, um, was uh, interested in, uh, in the maintenance of civil rights for black people, i.e. the observance of the existing law and the existing constitution. But the idea of a social revolution uh, was an anathema to him. He didn't want that at all. So, uh, under conditions of capitalism, um, the uh, black um, residents of um, Harlem um, didn't see communism as the answer. Instead, that they, they... recognised that they existed in a a racialised labour market and white workers were the competitors. It was very unlikely they were going to form these kind of internationalist um, uh, fraternal bonds with their fellow white proletarians and and vice versa. But this is the idea that the communists tried to foster and in many ways, in many cases... Um, they imposed this idea on their party members. So they tried to force um, black and white party members to work together um, when there was really a great deal of reluctance to to do that. There are incidents of um, the uh, different um, local parties in other parts of New York, other more white European parts of New York, where racist ideas persist and the white workers do not want to um, um, support industrial action on behalf of black workers 
Um, some of them believe that part of the reason for joining a socialist party or a communist party or a trade union is to protect their status as privileged white workers. So it shows, doesn't it, how deep um, racist ideas and racist um, beliefs went uh, in the USA during that time period that even a, an emancipatory revolutionary um, internationalist ideal such as uh, communism can still be subverted by uh, racist notions. The population in Harlem was very well educated um, in uh, comparatively speaking um, there were a number of um, daily and weekly newspapers such as the Amsterdam News and the um, political life of, of Harlem is uh, very vigorous um, and um, part of, with, with you know, widespread participation. And an example of that would be um, tensions that develop after 1935 with the Italian community. Um, the, um, there is a growth in membership of the Communist Party um, after 1935 in large part because of the um, Italian invasion of Ethiopia, of, of Abyssinia, um, and the uh, belief that the uh, once again um, the African race was, or the African peoples were uh, under threat from imperialism. There is a, a great emotional connection amongst black Harlemites, and you can no doubt find this amongst black people across America in the 1930s, to um, Africa, to colonised Africa, um, in a way that perhaps um, there um, hasn't been in, in subsequent generations, partly because of the, the historical conditions um, of colonisation existing at that time. There is outrage over the uh, invasion of Abyssinia by Mussolini in 1935. Um, the, the popularity of, of, this, of these actions amongst Italian Americans is, 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 is very low. Um, there's very little evidence that the Italian Americans were cheering this on, but it leads to ethnic ten community tensions nonetheless. It leads to an upsurge in uh, the uh, in Communist Party membership in Harlem because if the Communists were known for anything it was their opposition to fascism. The um, decision by Stalin in August 1939 to um, sign a, a treaty with Hitler. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. With the number one regime internationally renowned for racial attitudes and racial beliefs, um, sees the finally the membership of the, the Communist Party uh, collapse and wither away into nothing at all in Harlem. So the, the Nazi-Soviet pact uh, deals is a killer blow. So this shows us that there were aspects of communism, um, not the entire kind of uh, canon of communist thought that uh, appealed to black Americans, um, particularly anti-racism and anti-colonialism, uh, there was precious little uh, interest in the actual um, mechanics of Marxist thought, by and large. This just rarely gets mentioned. Um, and the uh, if you imagine that the forerunner um, to the development of the Communist Party in Harlem was um, an organisation called the African Blood Brotherhood, which developed in 1919 and was a, a self-defence organisation based on ideas of racial pride and self-determination for black people in countries where they were the majority. Such a, so anti-colonialism um, and in the Caribbean and in Africa. Um, similar ideas to UNIA. And there is a kind of a strain of these ideas later on uh, in the the Nation of Islam and other radical um, black power organisations um, after the assassination of Martin Luther King. Many um, Harlem intellectuals seem to shift left um, towards the end of the First World War um, and they, they have something of a, an unpleasant shock uh, in the uh, guise of the first Red Scare and uh, the, the Palmer Raids, but I'll come on to that in a moment. I want to talk about a guy called Cyril Briggs. Um, Cyril Briggs was one of the, the founder figures of Harlem Communism. And he was from the West Indies. He was uh, became an editor of Harlem's Amsterdam News, um, and in 1918, he sets up his own magazine called The Crusader. And it was um, dedicated to a renaissance of Negro power and culture throughout the world. And in 1919, um, he uh, founded the African Blood Brotherhood. Um, he becomes more and more, um, shifts towards the left more and more throughout this period. Um, and one of the reasons for this is the Russian Revolution and the uh, idea that the, you know, the Russian Revolution is uh, essentially in part an anti-racist affair or has presents the potential for anti-racism throughout the world and anti-colonialism. 
So you know, much of the thinking and uh, the black nationalist thinking in Harlem in the 1920s is very internationalist, uh, very sort of pan-African, pan-black, pan-African, um, and anti-colonialist, and sees kind of that people in uh, Harlem have common cause with uh, people in Africa um, and the, the West Indies. And the, um, uh, the nationalism of Briggs was very um, segregationist. He said he didn't see that black people stood any chance in America of an integrated future um, and that there was never going to be a time when they could live peacefully with their white neighbours. And, and so he said the ultimate, the, the ultimate goal is to return to the motherland, um, to return to Africa, and to work out, as he says, a proud and glorious future for the African race. But um, the uh, the revolution um, kind of does does change this this thinking, and the position that emerges in Briggs's writing by 1921 is an abandonment of the idea of, of repatriation to Africa and instead an idea that um, the emancipation of black people in America and anti-colonialism in Africa went hand in hand and you could uh, remain in America and ensure that Africa was, uh, was liberated at the same time. Because liberated Africa would create uh, strong black states um, on the continent, and those strong black states would act as a kind of a, a rock for a black diaspora to uh, to rely on, um, and would be a, essentially the the mother country that would stand up for the rights of um, diaspora black people around the world. And he makes the comparison with Ireland. And of course, Ireland is going through a civil war at this this point, and going through an uh, anti-colonial struggle. And he says, you know, the um, Irish Americans look to a, f- uh, a free Ireland to represent them. Black Americans must look to a liberated African nation in order to uh, safeguard them. Of course, the uh, biggest and most influential organisation of the time saying largely similar things is UNIA, led by Marcus Garvey. Um, Marcus Garvey had transitioned from more socialist and revolutionary uh, perspectives at the, um, before the First World War um, to a far more um, nationalist and in some ways, um, racial, and you, you can even possibly read slightly fascistic um, uh, idea about uh, the development of um, the black community uh, in America. I mean, Harlem was his epicenter. And he one of the reasons for this transition from, from the left to a uh, more conservative or even reactionary uh, set of positions was the the Palmer raids. Um, the fact that um, the uh, anti-communist hysteria in America after the First World War it was um, connected also with an upsurge in in racism. Um, 
every time that there is um, a fear of subversion in America, in either of the Red Scares and during the Cold War, it's normally very quickly associated with um, the, the, the fear of a kind of a, uh, a black enemy within, um, the possibility of some kind of black fifth column. Um, and obviously this isn't, you know, the stuff of kind of racist delusions and nightmares. But Garvey was very concerned that the uh, to not be associated with revolutionary politics because he knew that um, Unia was on the FBI's radar and that J. Edgar Hoover particularly had an obsession with Unia and with Garvey and that he did not want to give them the opportunity to shut Unia down and to arrest Garvey as a, a revolutionary um, troublemaker. Uh, Garvey instead speaks more about um, racial purity and these uh, kind of rather mythical ideas about raising the black race, um, improving the black race and um, kind of socially and culturally um, uh, purifying uh, black masculinity particularly. Um, the idea of racial intermixing, where Garvey said, was um, was wrong. He agreed that uh, black people would always be on the losing side of any interactions with white people. But also, he thought that there should be uh, no intermarriage. That this was um, part of the way in which the black race was was going to be kept down. Um, so there are sort of um, within these his his kind of liberation ideas some um, kind of fairly uh, dubious uh, racial notions as well, um, which were you know part relatively common for the time. Um, that we are we are in an era of in the nineteen twenties and thirties an era of eugenics um, where. You know, eugenicist thought is it's pretty mainstream. You can look at uh, people as um, diverse as the as you know Virginia Woolf and Marie Stopes uh, in you know polite Bloomsbury, London, who um, have you know very similar thoughts. Uh, Aldous and Julian Huxley, um, you know, really quite educated people who had different perspectives on. Uh, sort of eugenicist and racial ideas and it's only really um, Nazism that finally makes um, racial ideas uh, beyond the pale for um, you know most of public discourse though given uh, certain comments in the presidential race at the moment they're making something of a comeback attempts by the communists to capture the uh, the rank and file of Unia fail uh, in large part because the communists wish to look at the oppression of black people through the prism of class, not race. Um, Garvey, in a quite extraordinary move, um, had meetings with actually um, um, the Ku Klux Klan, um, claiming that um, they actually shared similar goals. They, you know, for one reason or another, the removal of black people from America. Garvey wrote that 
He declared himself in favour of a pure black race, just as self-respecting whites are in favour of a pure white race. And he said that there should be no mongrels or miscegenationists. And this is quite an, an interesting point of view. Um, and I think there's, there's a, a lot to be read into that. The fact that he compares um, his desire for a pure black race to the white desire for a pure white race or the white supremacist desire for a pure white race. And it's this kind of classic um, sign of the, um, the oppressed actually appropriating um, the, the oppressor and appropriating the, the, the beliefs of the oppressor. One interesting trend um, throughout this period actually is a decline in politicisation among black people in general, um, partly because of the, um, the fear of being associated with political radicalism, uh, and also the fact that there is this kind of, um, uh, kind of a wave of political conservatism throughout America um, and, and an increase in, in the 1920s up until 1929 obviously of prosperity so there are shall we say fewer more pressing political uh, questions to to be answered um, and the NAACP their membership falls from 90,000 to 20,000 it's a huge huge drop um, which you know can be put down to a number of factors but it does suggest that the 1920s were a time of declining activism, which perhaps um, gives us a clue as to why the, uh, the Communist Party found it so hard to recruit and then to retain members. The best efforts of the national um, leadership of the Communist Party of the USA uh, have failed by the end of the 1920s to, to boost black membership of the party. Um, even though local party members um, gave it their their best shot, and as I, suggest, as I said, by the um, eve of the first Second World War, uh, party membership in Harlem um, has has all but vanished. Anyway, I hope you found this uh, useful and interesting. I've got some book reviews coming up for you uh, next week, so stay tuned, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.